Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Present. So we are on week three of our um, Preparing for War series. How many of you have ever wanted to be in war? Man, ain't nobody raising hands to forget that. Guess what? You are in a spiritual war if you enlisted or you didn't. But you know how you enlist in this spiritual war? I believe that, you know, all of us are in this war, even if we know God or don't know God, that there is an enemy of our souls that wants to destroy and kill us. He does not want us to come to the knowledge of Jesus. He wants us to be deceived, distracted. And at the end of time... We're going to realize that there was a heaven and there was a hell and the choices we made in this life dictated where we go. Okay, you're like, man, pastor, this ain't a way to start a message, man, heaven and hell. And, you know, uh, but I want you to realize that even people who don't know Jesus, there is still a war for their soul. So on the flip side, I hope those of you in this room have a relationship with Jesus. But let me tell you what, as you come to know Jesus, now the enemy is really against you. Because you have turned from your, from your, your uh, wrong direction and you have turned to move closer to God. And there is a war. It's like you have a crosshair on your back. We have, we have a, a young lady that just started spearheading some of our children's ministry. And I just encourage us that we're going to be praying for you. We will support you. But you have to also realize that there is now a crosshair on your back. And the enemy is against your ministry being successful. Right? The devil very rarely goes against a parked car. But he will go against those who are really advancing the kingdom of God and making a kingdom impact because it is contrary to his kingdom. We have to understand that there is a kingdom of God and there is a kingdom of the enemy of this world. If we could put on our supernatural spiritual sunglasses this morning, we would see the war raging around us. We would see moments of God's hand of provision and protection on our lives, but we'd also see the enemy drawing back his bow, ready to, to loose those arrows and those fiery darts to cause harm and destruction in our life. But in, in the, last week, we covered the power of, of prophetic worship. And if you didn't listen to it, please check out our podcast. That's one of the best ways to catch all of the, of all the messages in the series. But we talked about how prophetic worship, it helps us identify what those mountains in our life are that are keeping us from that close, intimate presence of God. It's in those moments of worship where God, how many of you during worship, God shows you all kinds of stuff you didn't want to see. Hey, he deals with things. He points things out. But do you realize God just doesn't point those things out to just kind of like say, ha, 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 look at that weak area in your life. He points those areas out because he wants you to speak words of faith so that that mountain is far removed from your life and you can encounter the fullness of his presence in a real intimate way. He doesn't want anything separating us from being in his presence of drawing near, of coming close. So when we prepare for war, we have to be people of prophetic worship. Those who have worship uh, always happening around us. I don't know if there, is there people in here that play worship music all the time in their homes? Right? You want to know how to change an atmosphere, get in the spirit of worship, turn on music in your workplace, turn on music in your vehicle, um, turn up the radio louder than your kids are being. I don't know what it takes to get the spirit of God in that room, but when we invite his presence through the vein of worship, the power of prophetic worship, it will change and it will speak to that situation and what you thought was unmovable will become movable. 
That's what the power of God does through the power of worship. This morning we're going to look at the power of the word. The word is one of the, one of the greatest tools of, of warfare that God has given us. It is one of the one weapons that God has given us to attack the enemy with. Right? The sword. You know, the Bible talks about the Bible being a sword. But in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, we're going to look at, we looked at this passage two weeks ago, but we're going to look at it this morning, the New Living Translation, just to kind of shed a little bit of light on understanding this passage a little better. It says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God, and we capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey God. So God's mighty weapons that he gave us, he's given us specific weapons to war in this world. Now, I know a lot of things, sometimes we don't want to do them or activate them, but I want to tell you one thing. If you do not use the weapon of God that God has given you, not saying you're, pick, you're going to be picked off, but you're going to be busted up along, along the way. Because when we talk about the weapon of the word, this is an offensive weapon. But we know that there are many defensive weapons. You know what a defensive weapon looks like? It's like a turtle going in his shell. Right? You can get in that shell and clink, 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 clink. You hear all this stuff hitting on the outside, but you're protected on the inside. God gives us offensive and defensive weapons to protect us. But he's given us the power of the word to attack the adversary, to move forward in the power of God. And when we speak the word of God, it is effective and active and changes the situation. One of the biggest tools of the enemy, I think, is to keep Christians naive of the word of God. He doesn't want you memorizing scripture. He doesn't want you quoting scripture. He doesn't want you meditating on scripture because all of these things are really contrary to what God encourages us to do in regards to the word. But he wants you to know the word. He wants you to put it inside of you. He wants you to use it uh, to really counterattack the enemy. But the, the power of the word is what we need. We don't need uh, just sheer strength and, and, and self-power. How many of you have ever tried to, to fight the devil by yourself? Well, I'm just going to grip my teeth and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to... I'm going to just look at him. He's going to walk off. He will bust you up because you're not that impressive to the devil alone. Right? But if we get the word of God in us and we release that word of God from within us, that is something that causes the enemy to flee. That is something that causes his posture to completely change. Um, you know, uh, I came home from Tennessee. I was, I was out of town last weekend and we did some axe throwing. So we came home, and I told Samuel, I'm going to build me an axe-throwing wall now. So I built it. The little axe we got ain't going to cut it. I'm going to get on Amazon Prime. I'm going to find me a better axe. But we're going to find an axe to throw. So I'll tell you what, you know, uh, one of the most intimidating things was when my, my daughter's in here this morning, Grace. But it was good when Samuel was throwing it. He kind of was controlling it. Cassidy was like, okay, I can figure it out. But I'll tell you, Grace, when she's wielding that weapon... You know, this sharp on both ends and, uh, you know, wielding it, you know, it's scary, not just to the devil, but it's scary to everybody around it. I think that that's what it does. It stirs up the devil. It's like, man, we got a radical child of God, but you know what it causes you, you know what it causes the devil to do? Just like what it caused all of us. You know what we did? We backed up. <laughs> you know, we were already, you know, which Becky came out there and Becky's, oh, hey, well, you got to get behind and it could fly. It's like, baby, it ain't going to fly that far. Go inside. 
right, away from the kids and, you know, let dad have his fun with these axes. But when we begin to yield the word of God, it doesn't matter if we yield it well or we yield it carelessly. When we use the tool that God has given us, it causes the enemy to shake and to distance himself from our lives. It don't matter how you throw it. Just throw it. It don't matter if it's stick. Guess what? None of us could stick it. Both of my kids stuck it before me. I was so mad. I was blaming the axe. I said, I know that axe I was throwing. I could throw that one good. But this little, little axe, I couldn't do it, right? But it doesn't matter how you use it. But when you use it, it causes the enemy to move back. It is a... It is a um, a weapon that God wants to use. He doesn't want you. And there's technique, there's strategy, there's ways to use it. But Zechariah 4, 6, it says, not by, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. There's something inside of us that God has, has given us to use and to apply what is needed to prepare for war to push back the enemy. But the spirit inside of us, he will allow us to be victorious in battle. Um, We have to allow the spirit of God to lead us in every situation. We have to follow his orders. We don't always know how. You know, I was trying to coach my kids how to throw it, but as soon as they stuck it, they became the experts, right? Well, dad, you need to throw it like this, and I got frustrated, but whatever, right? But how many of you know the success of being successful in using the word like God intended it to? We have to follow the commands of Scripture and get guidance from the person that knows best. So the Spirit of God lives inside of us, and he guides us, and he leads us in the commands of how to operate in using the word of God. How many of you have ever had a scripture kind of bubble up in your spirit that you didn't even know you memorized, but it was there when you needed it? Like, man, I didn't even write that one down, but the Spirit of God will just bring it to your remembrance. So the Spirit of God inside of us works like like an army commander. When he shows you and tells you what to do, you don't have to know what to do. Just follow the orders. Right? That's how we are guaranteed success because the Lord will fight our battles on our behalf. He will lead us, but he requires us to yield that weapon in a way that causes the enemy to back up. How many of you under, truly understand the power of your words? How many of you have ever heard the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? How many of you heard that? That's a lie from the pit of hell. Words hurt. Think about it. What, the wounds that you have. Well, I remember when my dad said something real hurtful or my mom or my friend. Or what, it's going to be the words that will harm you. I have a few scars from some bad life choices, right? But those aren't the ones that really cut the deepest. It was words spoken against me or hurtful, harmful words that will stick, for, stick with you for a lifetime. But if we look at the power of words, what that realizes, the words that are spoken have power to accomplish one of two things. It can build up, it can encourage, it can help us, or it can destroy lives. You know, the word of God actually says, you know, you will be judged by every careless word that you have spoken. You're like, man, I'm going to shut up a whole lot more. Because how many of you been there? Some careless words. Well, well, you don't understand. No, I understand because I've thrown some careless words too. Right? It's called disengage the brain and the mouth just begins to speak. I've been there. Those careless words. But what does the word of God say about words? Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. The King James Version says death and life are in the power of the tongue. So careless, hurtful words can cause both death um, uh, or it can cause life to those spoken in a way that is agreeing with God's word. Speak life into that situation. 
James 3, 7 through 10, it says, All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise the Lord our Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Now we're in a predicament this morning because I hope that you sang in a way that praised God this morning with, the, with your lips and with your tongue. Now, what are you going to do with that tongue Monday through Saturday? When you get to work and it didn't go like planned or they didn't do what they were supposed to and it made you look bad. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. What's that going to say? You're going to be like Jesus and flip a desk or two? Or what are you going to do? What's going to be your response and what's going to come out of your mouth? Are your words going to glorify and praise God? Or are you going to use those words in a destructive, unhealthy manner? How many of you, well, I know all of y'all been guilty of using the tongue incorrectly, correct? Anybody else? Because if not, I'll let you preach this morning. Ain't none of us that have, that have really used every single word that we've spoken to gl glorify God and to speak nothing but God things and scripture and all of those things. So we all have to be very careful because I think deep down, it says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when I speak something that I'm like, ooh, where'd that come from? I need to say, Lord, search my heart. Lord, help those things inside of me that I can't change to change. And help them to align with what your scripture demands so that I can speak life and not hate to all those around me. But the power of the word released has to be released by the spoken word. If we don't speak it, it doesn't release its power. How many of you know, like... How many of you know, sometimes the best thing, you know, what's, what's the say? When you, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all, right? But at the same time, when you have something powerful to say, something that is life-changing to say, we don't want to play by the same rules. If we don't allow the word of God to come out of us, it will never speak life into people's situations. Why are we bold and courageous to say dumb stuff, but we're so fearful to say godly things? think about it well because the devil wants you to say one he doesn't want you to say the other you know i think of that instigator man he's a liar and a thief and a cheat and like you know i can just see him eating there that popcorn yeah lose your stuff get all mad yell at him some more like and you know and then it's like oh as soon as you want to say something they're like, oh don't say that they're gonna look at you and you're gonna be foolish and how many of you have felt that in your life right you, you feel the, the struggle of like man this bipolar devil that it seems like he's for you then he's against you but he's manipulating the whole situation because he wants you to really use your voice to what to curse God rather than to bless God well in this house this morning we all corporately came together and if you did or didn't now if you I don't know if anybody got away with not singing nothing but maybe you did but if you sang anything guess what there was the praise of God on your lips I would even be bold enough to say, even if you didn't say it, it did something in your spirit. You're like, I wish I could sing because I'd sing it, but I'm not. But I'm singing it on the inside, right? Does something in the spirit. That's what the power of the word does. It, it, it penetrates inside. It gets deeper inside. It causes things to change. So in preparing for battle effectively, we need to be ready before the attack comes. Psalms 119.11. It says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. Hiding the word of God in your heart. This works like kind of as a moral compass. I know what's right. I know what's wrong. How many of you have ever read anything in the scripture that you didn't know was wrong, but then you read it and you found out it was wrong? 
Like, that's one of those moments, like, row, row, like, back up, Lord, I'm sorry. But I feel like God gives us tons of grace till we know that we know. All right, once, once we know what the truth is, then guess what? Now, once we know the truth of God's word, it's not naive, not knowing. Do you realize now we step into the realm of being disobedient? Knowing the truth, but yet not choosing the truth. I would rather be naive and not know rather than be disobedient. And guess what? When God exposes something to his truth, it gets inside of us. But that's why hiding the word of God in my heart, it helps me to differentiate what's right and what's wrong. When somebody says something that is culturally correct, but biblically incorrect, I can immediately say, oh, 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 no, that's not what the word of God says. Because let me tell you what, the devil who is manipulating culture is going to make it seem pleasant and convenient and acceptable. But it could perhaps be contrary to the word of God. But I have to have the word of God inside of me to be able to be able to determine and uh, discern what is right and what is wrong. But if that word is inside of me, it'll cause me to be effective. James 4, 7, it says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So we've been talking about preparing for war. You have to realize the enemy wants to destroy your life. He wants to rob from you. What would happen this morning if I walked up to you and I tried to take your wallet from you? Like I'm talking about really tried to take your wallet. Pretend I'm not your pastor for a minute, right? Like I guess he needs it for something here, pastor. Like pretend I'm the bad guy. Are you willfully... It's going to be like, well, what was I to do? He just was so fast at taking my wallet. What, what, what's your response? Now, I'll tell you what. It would just take a little bit of defending, a little bit of resisting. You know, what if I just sat down on the ground? Good luck getting that wallet out. You ain't taking my wallet, devil, right? What does the scripture say? It says, resist the devil and he will what? Flee. Flee. But we're just willfully saying, oh, give me your wallet. You're like, okay, come on resist that means you're not taking it you going huh, you want that hard earned money you going come on get into my resisting but what happens when we resist it says he will flee but you have to resist i don't think we're people that resist i just think we kind of weasel and say well the devil's a big bad guy i don't know what to do begin to quote a scripture you know what a scripture works like it's like this big no shouting at the top of your voice my kids are really really good at it Gracie, I'm sorry you're in here. You're going to hear all my, my kids' stories. Hopefully she won't tell her brothers and sisters. But I'll tell you what, you know when somebody crosses the line, like your kids are fighting or whatever? Man, when one gets loud, everybody gets scared. They're worried about like mom hearing, dad showing up. And usually us as parents say, oh, something really bad happened now. Because as parents, we get this tolerance that it's just background noise. You parents know what I'm talking about? But when somebody gets loud or somebody gets intentional, it causes things to change. You try to take my wallet and I turn around and say, hey, don't take my wallet, Megan. She got scared on his front row. You go, oh, I was just playing, and he's going to back away slowly. So we have to get loud. We have to be passionate. What is the word of God? Hebrews 4.12, it says, The word of God is active and alive and is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing the soul from the spirit. Why does the word of God do that? Because I need a dividing of my spirit and my soul. My soul is my mind, my will, and my emotions. It's the fleshy side of me. How many of you know the fleshy side of us will submit to just whatever? If I could do whatever I want and I didn't have any responsibilities, how hypothetical is that, right? I guess I'd buy a recliner, a remote, a TV, and I'd hire a maid. When I'd get hungry, I'd ring the bell. They'd bring me some food. I'd keep watching. I'm, I, right? 
just passive, not doing anything. But it requires me to be proactive because there is a fight between the spirit and the flesh. How many of you know the flesh side is very lazy? The flesh side of me never said go to the gym. I mean, if you're flesh driven to go to the gym, tell me how you're working that out. There's something inside, something deeper. I want to be healthy for my kids. I want to live a long life. But it's never the flesh said I wanted to. Right? The flesh is weak, but it says that the spirit is strong within us. The spirit, the word, the, 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 the spirit side of us. So we want to divide those things in our life that are of the spirit. And we want to divide those things that are of the flesh. But guess what? Scripture also says that if I gratify the things of the spirit, I will not gratify the things of the flesh. But if I gratify the things of the flesh, I will not gratify the things of the spirit. So it's, there's this tug of war happening in my life. Do you know what the word of God being spoken in and over my life and putting the word of God inside of me? It enables me to side with the things of the spirit. Not just the things of the flesh. Because the things of the spirit please God. The things of the flesh often are contrary to the things of God. But the word of God is sharp. It's active. And when we operate yielding the power of God's word, it is effective. But we have to use the word of God. We have to pick it up. It doesn't matter how pretty you wield the sword of the spirit. But it is important that you pick it up. You draw it out. And you learn to swing it properly. Um, I think we need to get to the place of where we really tell the devil that we're serious. Um, <laughs> in relationships, I don't know if you've ever gotten to the place where, where you get fed up with something or you get irritated with something. How many know when you get fed up with something or you get irritated about something, you get loud about it? We need to be in that same way towards the devil. When was the last time you spoke the word of God over your situation rather than reinforcing what the devil was already doing? Right? Let, me, let me explain. Well, one looks like, man, I'm just so frustrated. My fridge keeps breaking. I can't catch a break. My kids are da-da-da and everything's falling apart. And maybe, man, maybe God don't even love me. And the devil's like, you're right. He don't love you and any of those things. And all your things are falling apart because God's a bad God. And Man, I just can't catch a break. I went to church and on the way home, I got a flat tire. Does God even care about me? And the devil says, no, no, no. That's one side. And every word that we're speaking is reinforcing what? Not the spirit of God. But it's reinforcing these negative things. It's reinforcing these things that don't matter. So what would it look like to fight by the Spirit? So it's speaking into the existence of things that I don't yet see, but yet I'm believing God for. It's quoting scriptures like saying, Lord, I am above and not beneath, God. I am blessed when I come in. I am blessed when I go out. Lord, I have everything that I have need of. Lord, I thank you for the Spirit of God that's inside of me that gives me everything I need to be successful. And any time, Lord, that the devil shows me, his fr that comes to my front door, I'm not going to let him in. I'm going to resist it. If he's knocking, I'm going to open the door. I'm going to kick him and I'm going to throw the door back shut. I'm not going to allow him any more access to any area of my life. How many, how many loud moms we got in the room? If somebody was picking on your kids, you going to get loud? Oh, well, don't be picking on my kids. You're going to lose your religion over it. When is the last time we got that mad at the devil said, you will not rob from me anymore. The bloodline is established in Jesus' name. You will no longer take what is not yours to take. Yes. Right? That's what it looks like. It's speaking the word of God. It's powerful. It's effective. It dismantles the enemy. It freaks everybody else around you. But it's effective in what it does. 
But we have to get that word of God inside of us. We have to speak forth that word. We got to get loud. We got to trust God. So I want to give you this morning four ways that the word wars for us. I want to give you some tangible things. So the number one thing, or one of the things, not the number one, but four ways that the word wars for us. Number one, it releases faith in your situation. When you hear the word of God, your faith increases. I hope you're not as discouraged as you were maybe when you came in that already you're like, Pastor, I could go. I'm a little pumped up. I'm ready to go kick the devil in the teeth. I don't know what it looks like, but you're going to see me kicking, Pastor. Right? The spiritual excitement and, and, and just or something. I don't know, man. Getting shook up, getting riled up. I don't know what it's going to look like, but there's something turning on the inside, Pastor. That, that there is faith increasing inside of us to believe God for great, amazing, irrational things. You don't have to understand it to believe for it. But God wants our faith to be increased. And when the word of God is spoken, faith is increased. Romans 10, 17, it says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. When we talk about what Jesus did, when we talk about what Jesus is continually doing, it should stir faith in your heart. None of us receive salvation or come to the place of knowing Jesus without somebody speaking. You ever heard of a silent altar call? It doesn't happen. But the testimony of Jesus was preached and communicated to you. And you realize that you were a sinner in need of grace and that Jesus loved you. And he died on a cross and he just didn't die, but he raised three days later. And now he's sitting as a victorious king at the right hand of God praying for you and I. And he loves us desperately and he will take away all of our sins and make us right before God. And all I have to do is believe and receive and ask him into my heart. Man, I'm glad somebody spoke because it allows that faith to come near to me. And what happens when I act on that faith? When I truly believe that that's what happened, now my life changes. And that faith causes seeds in my life to come forth to life. And now I have this life-giving power inside of me that I can give to others. But how do I do that, Pastor? By communicating. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the message of Jesus. How many of you have ever listened to a message and just something jumps out? Like, I got a title for this message, The Power of the Word. At the end of this message, I might say, hey, what'd you get out of it? It may not be the title, The Power of the Word, but God has an awesome way of, of having a specific word that it's kind of like it's just kind of passing by, and you will just snatch it and say, that's mine, Lord. It will agree with your spirit. It'll be what you need because that's the kind of God we serve. When the Word of God is spoken, it, it produces life and what we have need of. You realize before you showed up today, God knew what you have need of? Even the hidden secret motives of your heart that you have told nobody about. God says, son and daughter, I know about that. But I'm waiting for you to ask me. Because he's a good loving father and wants to take care of his own. But the power of the word produces faith in our lives. It can produce faith in every single situation. But faith only happens when it's spoken out. Think about if I just decided, you know what? I got a whole lot of word in me, a whole lot of things I want to say, but I just sat there this morning and said nothing. Be really hard to stir faith in your heart this morning without speaking the word. All right. Hearing the word, it causes your faith to increase. Um, I, I don't know how many of you have the version Bible app on your phone, but one way that you can really grow your faith, uh, you can read the Bible, but do you realize in some of the translations, it will read the Bible to you? Right? That's a powerful way. If faith comes by hearing the word of God, what better way to activate my faith than listening to the word? 
right? Why well, do that on Sundays? Well, you need to survive Monday through Saturday also. So what does that look like? You know, in the morning when I'm driving, you know, pull up Bible verses, let it read it to you. Today I'm reading the scripture, I'm unpacking the scripture, so that should be stirring faith. Uh, so really today, and, and you know, knowing this, your faith should be stirred. You should leave encouraged, not discouraged, okay? Um, tell you something, a believer full of faith is a dangerous weapon against the enemy. Think about it. You leave full of faith, ready to bust up the devil? <laughs> He ain't just going to steal your wallet no more. You came to your senses, you're like, all I got to do is like kind of backhand him. Oh, yeah. You know, there's a scripture, uh, you know, pastor friend shared this with me that says, at the end of it all, we will see what the devil really looks like. And we will be amazed. And it says, they will look on him with astonishment and they will say with a question mark, is this really the one? who deceived and, 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 and confused the whole world. He is way less insignificant than we make him. Yeah. Get this, little bitty, bitty devil, really, really, really big God. Amen. But our mindset is like, well, we got this big, bad devil walking around. And yeah, he's, yeah, he, he talks a big game, but he's like a flea. Just flick him off, Right? We have to realize that it is not, he's not as powerful as we think to the believer. We have to understand that Jesus allowed us the power to put him in his rightful place. Can't pick on me no more. I got a new big daddy, right? You know, I got a new, I'm by a new bloodline. You pick with me, you pick with my father, right? So in the spiritual realm, you're no longer, you know, it's like somebody with a big brother. You don't really pick on people with big brothers. It's a bad, a bad idea, right? That's how the devil sees those who are gods. All right? So the enemy trembles and is silenced by the power of God's word. So number one, it releases faith. Number two, what does it do? It releases power to overcome our temptation. So um, Jesus in Matthew 4, 1 through 11, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but that story is when the devil came to tempt Jesus. Now you're like, man, that's bold. You're going to tempt Jesus. Like of all people that you're going to tempt, but it happened. So what I want us to learn from that is when the temptation came, how did Jesus respond? Well, every time that he was tempted, he says, it is written. What does that mean he was saying? He was quoting what? Scripture. He wasn't saying, hey, my mama said you can't pick on me. No, he quoted a scripture directly proportioned to whatever the lie or deception was. Well, bow down and worship me. He said, no, I am to worship God and God alone. He never swayed from what the Bible geared him towards doing. Now, we have to understand that the devil has always been a tempter. He's always been a liar. He has always been a manipulator. He will always share a partial truth. He will make you believe you can be something you're not. And then he will sometimes even tell a blatant lie. Okay, so real quick, quick snapshot. If we go back to the Garden of Eden, the first thing he says, Oh, you certainly will not die. That proved to be false. Right? Humanity died after that. But he also said, hey, you can be like God if you take a piece of this fruit. So where there was this enticement to be your own God. And then that last part, it says, you will be able to acknowledge the difference between good and evil. And do you realize that happened? But it was never God's intended plan for us to have to worry about good and evil and what's right and wrong because the world was perfect. But it was at a great stake. That, you, that they were enticed by the tempter. And how many of you know we're being directly affected by that today? 
Right? We have to know what the truth of God's word is and stay far away from those things that we know that the devil is going to tempt us with. How many of you know temptation is a dangerous thing? Now, scholars say perhaps Adam and Eve were walking by the tree that day. Well, you know what I've learned? This ain't smart. This is just like, I've learned this. This is the best way to do it. If you want to avoid temptation, you know what? You don't even go by the tree. Why walk by the tree? Why get near it? I've never seen someone fall in a hole that they stayed away from. How'd you get in the hole, pastor? <laughs> I was walking way around. Liar. You know, if I stay away from the edge of this stage, I'm never going to fall off. I dance around right here. It's just going to be a matter of time. The closer I get, the longer I stay, the more likely I am to be enticed by the tempter. So when the tempter comes, I either acknowledge scripture and say, hey, it is written that this is what the scripture says. I will not do anything contrary to the word of God. But let me tell you what, you got to get it on the inside. It says, hide the word of God in your heart that you might not sin against him. Once it's in you, you know if it's right or you know if it's wrong. Right? If I don't want to be tempted, I stay away from the tree or I stay away from the hole. Right? But we have to understand that it allows power to, to overcome the temptation. Okay? So every single time Jesus responded with a scripture. So I don't know if you guys have ever seen this, but there are Bible emergency numbers. And what I mean by this, um, these might be super hard to see. You might be able to see it. But they're all over the internet. What do I do, pastor, when I'm worried? Glad you asked. Look up Matthew 6, 19 through 34 or 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7. What do I do, pastor, when I need guidance? You need to have an emergency number to call for everything you're going through. What happens when my finances are not, I don't feel like they're not going to make it and I need a scripture to sustain me. Right? I need to be able to immediately pull the scripture because anytime the enemy fights, I want to have a weapon that I can counter his attack. But we have to find a scripture. You need to be ready. We need to be ready before the enemy attacks. Okay? Knowing the scriptures well will help you know when the devil's lying. Um, devil's kind of sneaky sometimes though because like I said, that partial truth, you come like, hmm. Uh, there's been a lot of things that have come out lately where people actually research statements or comments that people made. And sometimes because it just sounds good doesn't mean it's scripture. <laughs> oh, well, doesn't it say that da-da-da-da-da? It's not always the truth, okay? So make sure that we're establishing what we believe to be true by actual facts found in scripture, not personal opinion, okay? Um, when we know what the scripture says, even what the devil says that sounds good, we'll know it's a lie. I just think about that, you know, God told Adam, don't even touch it. Man, they were all like this. Hmm. It was instructed, don't even touch it. Stay far away. All right. So the word of God will give you some guidance in, in how to avoid temptation and what to do. Number three, it changes us from the inside out. This is a big one. When the word of God gets inside of us, some, something has to change. So the word of God is intended to wash and cleanse us. Um, it's, it's like a mirror that shows us what's wrong. So like the Ten Commandments, uh, it's to show us what is right and what's wrong. Like, you know, it's not by popular. Well, I think it's right. I think it's wrong. It doesn't matter what you think. What does the scripture say? Right? And if it's in, you know, you just can't justify it. You know, I think a lot of people say, well, is that really what he meant? I don't care what he meant. What does it say? Right? Because we can interpret 
you know, well, what was the reason? What was the motive? Like, there are things in Scripture that God uses just to really change us from the inside out. Uh, Ephesians 5, 26 through 27 this is really cool. It says, uh, it's talking about, this is often used at, at weddings, but it talks about, you know, that um, wash, washing by the water, which is the word. It says, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of the water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, uh, but holy and blameless. So the, the point I want you to look at here is washing, cleansing through what? The word. The word was used. And then if we look in John... Um, one, you know, Jesus is actually referred to as the word. This is the word was with God and the word is God. And so when we mosh posh those two together, we know in the same sense that water can cleanse and can clean, um, that Jesus' blood did that for us. It covered us from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. And it's Jesus and Jesus alone that is going to cause us to be that radiant church that he demands us to be. To be clean and spotless. But these are the things that God uses to wash us. His word washes us. When I read, there's some times where it's like, oh yeah, thank you Lord for that promise. But there's other times where I'm like, Lord, woe is me. I'm sorry I didn't see that change that in me. I didn't realize that I'm missing the mark. Um, it, it causes to, to see in a mirror what it is that needs to change. How many of you, when you're washing clothes, you just put it in the washing machine, but don't put any water and you don't put any detergent in there? Anybody? No, when we put it in there, we fill it up with water and we put it and we put soap in there. And what do we allow that washing machine to do? Agitate, spin. It, it, it shuffles everything up. But what is the end result? It's clean. And that's what God's word. So it changes us from the inside out. And if we change on the inside, it will also change our actions outwardly. But the word washes us. It makes us clean. Jesus does that. Um, James 1, 22 through 25, it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Verse 25, But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom... So we know that the law, what? It can give freedom. It can free us from these things. It's not intended to hold us in bondage, but it'll free us from those things. Um, and it will also, if we continue in it, not forgetting what you have heard, but do it, they will be blessed in what they do. So there is a criteria. You have to listen to the word. You have to do the word to get the results of what the word is designed to accomplish. You know, as a pastor, it's always challenging. It's like, man, how many times do I got to preach the same thing till people get it? Like, are you getting it? Like, what'd you do this last week that you were instructed to do last week? If you're like, well, pastor, I did nothing. Well, let's preach the same message again because we didn't get it. How many of you, it's happened to all of us where you got a piece of broccoli or lettuce in your teeth. How many of you, if you walked up to the mirror and you smiled real big and you saw that, you're like, nah, it looks good there. I'm just going to leave it. <laughs> Anybody in their right mind? So if you've got enough wisdom to pluck that broccoli out of your teeth, why would you not allow the Word of God to remove those things that are contaminating or filthy in your life? Because sometimes it is just as easy. Hey, get that, remove it, and throw it away, and don't pick it back up. <laughs> we don't go like this. Put it in my pocket for later. No, we get rid of it. God wants you to completely get rid of those things. Kind of that go and sin no more. Don't worry about that. That was your old man. This is your new man. 
cleanses us from the inside out. Number four, let me cruise through this one. Um, it also crushes the head of the enemy. The word of God is powerful and effective. Uh, when we begin to use the word, it causes the enemy to back up. Um, but ever since the fall of man, you know, God and Satan, they've been fighting. And we have to realize that he's a snake. He's manipulative. Um, but the scripture says, you know, that the devil, the, 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 the serpent will desire to bite your heel, but we will crush the head of the enemy. It's personal, right? I hate snakes, like with a passion. I ain't even letting that joker get close enough to bite my heel, start swinging something. I mean, I just don't mess with it, right? Like, why are we so comfortable allowing the proximity of the enemy to our life? But by our words and by the the word of God's testimony, we will overcome everything in the power of the enemy. We just have to release those words. We have to release it. Romans 16, 19 through 20, it says, I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. I want to challenge you as the church or as people of God, you don't need to be exposed to all of the evil things to understand them. If you expose yourself to those things, you will risk being addicted to those things. I never heard a, a person who is an alcoholic say, well, I never drank. You ever heard that? Good luck with that, right? Or somebody addicted to drugs or whatever it may be. It's never happened. You do not have to expose yourself to understand. It is better to completely keep yourself innocent and separate from rather than exposed. You don't need to be mature in that area, I promise. The more you see, the more you got to deal with. The more you expose yourself to, the more you got to deal with what you've been exposed to. Right? It's not exposure. It's not. But we have to really allow ourselves to be guarded. We have to understand that the enemy desires to attack and kill us and destroy us. But we need to separate ourselves from that. But be wise towards what is good and right. Man, read this Bible to your heart's content. We don't need to listen to everybody. You know, man, I I don't know. I care more about who God is than who the devil is. I mean, I'm just really not that concerned. Like, well, I want to see what he's really like and his strategy. I mean, I understand. I mean, some, to each their own. I'd rather know who God is. So, I'm, I mean, I understand what he looks like. You know, there's a rule about a, the devil will always give you a counterfeit. Let me just tell you that. But do you realize when, when people, there are, there are actual professional counterfeit people that they are looking for bills that are not true, authentic dollar bills. You know what they do when they are being trained to identify counterfeit money? They don't look at fake money. They don't say, oh, this one looks fake and this one looks fake. Do you realize they always focus on what the real thing is? They know what the real dollar bill, the $100 bill looks like. They check its marking. They know its, its watermarks, all of those things. So when you know what truth is, you will never accept a counterfeit. Because you have focused all your attention on what is right, what is real, and what's important. And you haven't spent all your effort and energy wasting your time, really, on things that don't really matter. Okay? So it changes us from the inside. It crushes the head of the enemy. So what is our mandate? Pastor, what do we do from here? Ephesians 55, 11. My word that goes out of my mouth, it will not return to me empty but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. I want to challenge you to be a person 
who doesn't just meditate and read the word, but you use the word. It has to be released. And when I release a word, I trust it to happen. I I don't know if you've ever gotten this spirit of like just passionate prayer over something you're passionate about. Man, it'll just flow out of you. But that our words have to go forth to change things. So, So what do we do? Our weapons will only work when we use them. Can you stand up with me? Choose to use the weapons that God has given us. Use the weapon of worship. Use the weapon of his word. When's the last time you just meditated on the scripture? Now, I know it's January, so your likelihood of your New Year's resolutions are maybe full-fledged attack mode, right? You're like trying to achieve all those. But when's the last time you just read scripture just so that you could have scripture inside of you? Preparing. If we knew when the enemy's coming, we wouldn't have to be as vigilant. But because we don't know, and because he is a deceiver, we have to be ready at all times. When we realize that allowing God to fight our battles for us allows us to win every battle, it will set you free of the concern and the worry about what you have to do and allow God to do what only he can do. 1 Peter 5, 8, I'm going to close with this. Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Think about those words. Don't matter how much you want to act like being a lion. That doesn't make you a lion. He will try to intimidate. He will try to stir fear. But let me tell you what, we serve the true lion of the tribe of Judah. And he is full of vengeance and power and might. And we are on his side. That's whose kingdom we are of. And we have the spirit of God inside of us. We have everything we need to be successful in battle. But we have to release that in our life. We have to allow those spiritual weapons and the power of God to fight for us. Next week, we're going to look at the power of unity. Because you know what the cool thing about the power of unity is? I might not know how to wield my sword yet. But I hope my brother to my left and my right do. And guess what? As long as we fight together, we win. You cover my back. I cover your back. And we war together. I mean, there were some Bible stories of the one-man army. But you know what the rule is of war and combat? Heroes usually die. It's not like gladiator. You can go, he'll never get hit. No, you're going to die if you journey alone. But God has built the power of unity as one of the greatest weapons of the church to cause it to be victorious in this day and age. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for each one here and Father, the power of your word. Lord, I pray that all of the word and the seeds already deposited in us would come out. Lord, I pray that we would continue to put in your word. Lord, I pray that you would just cause the power of your word to be something that we use mightily to just accomplish all of the things that you've called us to. Lord, I thank you that your word says not by might or not by power, but by your spirit. So we just ask for a release of your spirit in our lives. Father, I pray that we would meditate and read your word, that we'd get it on the inside, that we have something to draw out of. Lord, as we go from this place, I pray you go with us. Lord, I thank you that uh, you've given us everything we need to be successful in battle. 
And Father, I thank you <laughs> as you're going to continue to even show us more next week that you've given us uh, the privilege of um, warring together. Father, which makes our success that much more possible. As we go from this place, go with us. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.